What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Vol Fanatic Show. Um, the Sunday after. Great football games yesterday. Had a lot going on. My name's Skylar. Michael, how we doing, Bubba? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Both of us had a, a lot going on so far. Uh, you a little bit more than I have, and as, <laughs> as both of you can tell, I am also not at home. I am at uh, my wife's grandparents, uh, but we are still doing the show. Um, first off, Skylar, I, I just want to say, you know, prayers up to you, prayers up to people in Knoxville. Uh, you want to tell everybody a little bit of what's going on right now and how we almost weren't able to have the show today? Yeah, man, let's talk about it real quick because the, the show is all about the games. But uh, we actually have a wildfire in Rocky Top. And um, most people probably don't know about it because oh, they do now in East Tennessee at least. But last night we were at the parents' house after the game. And uh, we actually found out through a Facebook channel or a, uh, like a group chat um, that we had a wildfire. And uh, so we, we booked it home because uh, we got some fur babies in the house and we were really afraid that um, it was actually really close to our house and, uh, we were right at the, you know, in the fact that it's close to the house as we have a big front window and you can actually see the fire outside our front house. Um, but luckily, um, the heroes, the men and women that are fighting on this fire have, uh, have really contained it well, um, hasn't spread too badly, but it has been burning now for almost 24 hours. Um, a little bit of a scare, but we're home. I think we're safe enough to do the show and thus we're here giving our all for Tennessee, baby. Yeah, that that's all that we can do, you know. Um, so uh, before we get started in with the uh, recap from this past week, um, <laughs> do, you, do you have any uh, shout outs you want to give? Actually, I do, man. Uh, big shout out to Chris Smith at uh, Chris Smith Agency. He's an agent here in Oak Ridge. Um, uh, minor shout out. I literally called him last night. I was like, hey, man, I don't know how bad this thing is. You know, if I lose everything, like, am I good? And he was like, brother, you shouldn't worry about a thing. Like, we got you. Just just take care of your family. I said, yes, sir. But he's been a long-time listener. He's been listening since the very first show we've ever done. Um, he always calls me on Tuesday mornings. And, and the reason why it's Tuesday mornings and not Monday mornings is because he always listens to it going to our BNI meeting that we do. And he'll call me after the BNI meeting. And we'll talk ball for about 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, He's actually really invested in us and, and loves what we do, supports us. He calls me, like I said, every week, and so he absolutely deserves it. But side story, I believe his daughter is a student at ETSU, and she was able to actually share the show to, I guess, their campus Snapchat, and it got 1.3 thousand views. So massive shout-out to her, Chris Smith. We appreciate everything y'all do to help our, uh, grow our channel. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, my my shout-out this week is going to be to uh, the wife's grandparents, uh, my, my grandparents-in-law, uh, for, for letting me do the podcast here. You know, We had a little get-together this weekend because we're helping move the, the in-laws into uh, their new house. So uh, they're allowing me to do the podcast here so we can stay on time and get the, get the podcast out to you guys. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And uh, love everything about that family's everything and, and, and love that you're able to help out and that they support because they watch every every time we go live and we greatly appreciate that. But without further ado, man, you want to jump straight into this recap against UConn? Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, well, what's your takeaways from this game right here? Because Tennessee, um, after the second play of the game, I texted my buddy Adam and I said, well, there's the ball game right there. Tennessee went up. <laughs> Seven to nothing off of an 82-yard touchdown run from Jalen Wright, and they never looked back from there. So, what 
What are your thoughts on on this game? What do you take away from this game that Tennessee had against UConn yesterday? Yeah, well, let's be honest. It's everything they needed to do against an inferior opponent. Um, and to all the folks out there that are saying, oh, it's UConn. Well, okay, what did Bama do against USF? Um, you know, even though that it's an inferior opponent, Tennessee did exactly what you're supposed to do against that said opponent. Um, they went out there, they scored early, they scored often, and they did exactly what I said we needed to do. And that was the fact that Joe Milton never seen the field in the second half. Now, some of that is due to the fact that, that, uh, you know, the defense decided to pop off for three touchdowns, but you know, also, um, it was good to see Nico come in, um, and he handled the offense very well. But uh, what were your initial thoughts of the game? But to me, I mean, I felt like it was just everything you needed to do against the inferior opponent. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something that we haven't seen from Tennessee this year. You know, Vir- Virginia, for the most part, it was kind of like yesterday's game. But there were still times where uh, Tennessee, they didn't show up. They they had some uh, lulls in the game. You didn't see it against Austin P. And for the most part, didn't – well, I won't say for the most part, but there was times in that UTSA game that you didn't see it, and you got Nico in later than you really wanted to. Yep. Um, so yesterday, that was exactly what we wanted to see. I was really – so I had mixed feelings about the start of the second half because for those that didn't watch the game, they were watching other games, which is fair because there were some good games on at the same time as Tennessee. No, absolutely. Um, Tennessee had two defensive touchdowns right off the bat in the second half. Uh, was it two pick sixes or was it one pick six and then the scoop and score for Tyler Barron? I believe the order went scoop and score in the first half to end it, I think. And then it was pick six, pick six to open up the second half. Um, one was by Tank McCullough. The other one was by Aaron Beasley. Um, yeah. You know, one was a, a poorly thrown ball. The other one, Aaron Beasley just cut the route. And so, um, but I mean, as a defensive perspective, like I love to see it because – We've not done a great job um, getting, you know, forcing turnovers. I'm not saying we're not, you know, we're not bad at it, but it's just not been something that really takes over a game other than like maybe South Carolina. But, um, yeah. but no, I, I love to see the defense scoring points. I think that's the first time we've, I think our defense maybe has scored three defensive touchdowns and like, I don't know. In half Tennessee's of, history. Was I, I it think Tennessee's it's history? I thought, history. okay, it was insane. I, you know, I I know no, it's not Tennessee's history because I remember getting there was a game back in the Tyler Bray area era. I think it was Tyler Bray. I know, I know which one you're thinking about? It's 2013 Western Kentucky. But well, it was like five plays, five maybe yeah, five turnovers, plays, five turnovers. But maybe maybe you're right. It maybe maybe not three touchdowns. So I mean, um, but no, that that was crazy to see. But let's talk about, and I want to talk about it first and foremost because I think it's the most important thing to talk about. Joe Milton, my guy. Joe was, Milton was a beast. He played his best game, uh, and I'm not even talking about like productivity or productivity. I'm talking decision making. I'm talking accuracy. I'm, I'm like everything about it was just perfection, brother. When he hit Squirrel White on that crossing route down the middle, about thirty yards deep, and he hit him on in stride, dude, that changes the game. Because what I'm saying is. Even if the wide receiver catches the ball, which we've had problems doing that, but if the ball's thrown behind him, he likely doesn't get any yak yards after the catch. When you can hit your wide receiver in stride and man coverage or maybe too deep, you know, but you can hit him shot in the middle of the field, you let him make a football move like immediately changes the the game, man. And if we can do that against Missouri, I really like our chances. But hats off. 
the big thing is that's something we haven't seen Joe Milton do this year. Early in the season, he's been missing those throws, whether it be throwing it high, throwing it behind the receiver, uh, things like that. So it it was great to see that. And once Squirrel gets past that defender there, there is nobody in the nation that's going to catch him because of his breakaway speed. Absolutely. I mean, I was, I was talking to dad and I was like, Hey, you know, cause we went to the game. We, we enjoyed it. Um, I kind of got a little emotional cause they had a video of uh, Pat Summit singing Rocky top and like everybody in the stands was singing along to it. And that, that kind of tore me up a little bit. Um, yeah. I hate Alzheimer's. I hate cancer, dude. I hate it all. Um, but anyways, Joe Milton, I couldn't remember other than one like screen pass that he overthrew or it was an incompletion in general. Like I couldn't remember him throwing incomplete passes so looked up the stats and the dude went 11 of 14 so you know a couple of incompletions 254 yards in two touchdowns on 11 completions but Um, i'll say this as well you know one of those incompletions joe milton had it was the hail mary right before the half so i don't even count that one but maybe that's why i couldn't think of another one because i'm like man i don't remember him throwing incomplete passes like he was on the money he was accurate um and then Ramel Keaton didn't drop the ball when he was wide open. I mean, yeah. we're we're growing. Look, I'm not going to say we're peaking, but we are playing our best ball in the month of November so far. And uh, that kind of excites me, man. There is still a path, boys. Now, I know y'all don't want to hear it, but there is still a path we can get to Atlanta. Yeah, there, there's a path. You know, a lot has to happen. Well, a lot. Right. Yeah, really, a lot doesn't have to happen. It's... It's simple, but it is very far-fetched for it to happen. Um, it is fair. So, like, you know, Florida lost already, so they're out. And because yes. Missouri lost to Georgia, their tiebreaker, you know, like they're not really going to be a factor. It's really down to Tennessee and, and, and Georgia. And what needs to happen is Ole Miss has to beat Georgia this week, and we have to beat Missouri for a winner-take-all game against Georgia in Knoxville. And I promise you, if that happens, oh, my goodness, bro. I don't, I don't think it's likely, but it's it's there, dude. And here's the thing about that game. I haven't taken a look at the, the schedule for that week, but Tennessee and Georgia is the game next week. Next oh, yeah. week is the, the ultimate game. All eyes are going to be on that game because it yeah. is the biggest game on the schedule. But um, – but it would mean more. It would mean more if we win this week and and Ole Miss actually upsets Georgia because then not only is it the game, but it's also the game to get to Atlanta. Yes, it, it's um, the game that's going to decide the East. Exactly, and that would add a lot of spice. You know, because that game's going to lose a lot if even if we win against Missouri. If if they beat Ole Miss, they've clinched the East. I mean, there's still a lot to play for. I get that, but um, at that point, we're just trying to be spoilers, and there's really nothing in it for us other than to say that we beat them, um, which. That in itself was a lot, but yeah. um, but no, I'm t- the path like you said. It's not really a lot. It's just kind of unlikely, but but is yes. it? I mean, we've seen a lot of crazy things this year, and this is the year 2023, so anything can happen. Um, Dude, uh, Clemson beat Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I wonder what Tyler and Spartanburg is is doing this morning. If he <laughs> if he's going to call in to, to Dabo's uh, show this week, but. Uh, you know, get, getting back to the game yesterday a little bit, I I, I want to kind of quit looking at the starters right now and look at the future of Tennessee because Nico yesterday, it's the first time that he's gotten to get into the game with the starters. He had one series with the starters, and, man, the way that he managed that offense yesterday, 
you've got to be excited for Tennessee football's future going forward at quarterback. And not only that, I, I have been a big Cam Seldon guy since he first came in. And with him and Khalifa Keith coming up, and you're still going to have um, Dylan Sampson next year. Um, more than likely, Jalen Wright and Jabari Small are gone. Um, but with Dylan Sampson as your speed back, and you've got two bigger power backs in, um, in Cam Seldon and Khalifa Keith, that is exciting. And then you look at the wide receivers next year. You know, Brew McCoy, he can come back. I think he'll probably go to the combine, go ahead and get ready for the draft. But, you know, who who knows? I, I would love to see him back. But with the way Dante Thornton is playing now on the outside, and you still got Squirrel right, Squirrel White that um will probably come. I think he's just a true sophomore, isn't he? Yeah, he'll be your slot receiver for the so, next yeah. year or two. So Yeah, so he'll be back next year. And then you still got Nimrod and Caleb Webb out there. You've got some other young, talented wide receivers along with guys coming in. And I loved watching Ethan Davis yesterday, the oh, yeah. uh, the freshman tight end. He he impressed. And then going over to the defensive side of the ball, you've got some really young players that came in and they showed out yesterday. Ricky Gibson played amazing at the cornerback position. Yes, um, he, and for the kids that don't know, he's he's a true freshman. He was a four star recruit. Big battle that we won out. Um, but that kid played lights out. He played a lot of the game too. I mean, as as he deserved to. Um, he played lights out. But yeah, um, you see, I want to mention is Andre Turrentine. He had a fantastic game as well. Well, what's crazy is he's the transfer from Ohio State who kind of hasn't panned out really. Um, he hasn't. I don't know what's not been translating from practice to 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 end the game. But you know, he he played pretty well. I mean, he held his own. It's his second year, I think, in the in the defense and. Uh, I think he's still got another year or two or eligibility. So hopefully he can kind of turn things around and add some depth because look, the the thing about this game is, I mean, that was so valuable to our guys. Um, people don't understand that um, you got to have a game like this to get your second, your, or your twos, your or really your threes and fours involved because um, it's about to be transfer season and you're going to have to get these guys in a game to get a taste of it, to make them want to stay. You know, and this was the perfect opportunity and, and they took advantage of it to get literally everyone in the game. And uh, what about D. Williams, wide receiver? D. Williams, wide receiver. He, I think he was a little bit nervous that first one I was thrown to yeah, him. He, he, he missed it, but well, he did redeem well, himself. He got, he got his butt chewed out, I think, in a nice way. Um, the very first play he was in, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a bubble screen to him, and he went down and started blocking, so Joe Milton had to improvise and take off and run. And so yeah. he immediately got pulled. I'm pretty sure he got a stern talking to, and then he went back in the game. But what impressed me is he bounced back. Um, so, Absolutely. You know, but uh, I think, you know, he was electric, the, the way he cut up the field, and, and he got 10 yards on, like, his, his one reception. I mean, that kid's going to be – he's going to be something, man. And uh, But, no, like, that game was super valuable. Uh, Joe Milton and Nico and, and the boys, they spread the ball around. Everybody got touchdowns, it felt like. Um Jalen Wright, though, on eight rushes, 113 yards. My man averaged. Was that big 82-yard run, but still, he's, man, he he's impressive. So seven, run, so seven runs for 50 yards. I mean, either way, I mean, they're 40 yeah, yards. So, I mean, the man's putting in work. I think he's the best back in the league. Um, and, uh, no, it was a great game. Great game by the defense, too. It was kind of frustrating that they would give up some big plays, but overall they bend, they didn't break. So 
Um, yeah, big game. UConn's, uh, UConn's tight end though that um, that Justin Jolie man he he's impressive. He's oh, yeah. very impressive. He he did very well in that game against Tennessee. So I mean you you got to give him credit. But um, you know one last note that I have um, on this game. Um, I'm not sure if you have anything else to add or not. But um, how heartwarming was it that we got to see Navy Shuler get in that game with his dad Heath on the sidelines? That that was awesome. I was actually pissed. Um, <laughs> no, let me say this because that's going to get taken out of context. Yes, that was an amazing moment. But you're already up by fifty freaking six. Let him score, dude. Like you had the momentum. He could have ran it in. Like at that point, you're not really playing a respect game because you're already up fifty six. What's another seven points, dude? Um, everybody in the stands. I want to give a. I want to give a shout out to the fans, bro. Let me tell you something. There is no reason, Robert. I'll get to your comment in a second. By the way, there is no reason why <laughs> there was still a hundred and one thousand folks at that game in the third quarter. But you want to know why they were there? Because they're just as excited as we are about seeing the future, bro. I'm Absolutely. telling you what. I'm telling you what, man. When they and I recorded it, I've got a video on my phone. When Nico broke the huddle and was coming out in the first possession, the first offensive possession, and it felt like it was the middle of the third quarter because it took a while. But uh, man, the crowd went crazy. Joe Milton was right there going crazy with us. Um, he, you know, Joe Milton's just as excited as we are. I think about Nico getting to take over this team next year, and uh, that's the, that's the leadership. Yeah, the excitement that his teammates showed after he threw that touchdown pass, his first okay. of many in a UT uniform to McAllen Castles, it it was it was unbelievable. I mean, the the support that the team has for Nico, it's it's unreal. Oh yeah, and the the uh, that play call was amazing. I wanted to see that play call. So you remember back in twenty twenty one when we uh, unveiled the very first blackout uniform against South Carolina, and Hendon Hooker kind of had that fake run. Yeah. Crouts and then dumped it over the top to Javante Payton. That I'm like, where is that play call at? Like, that's a freaking sweet play. Why did we only run it once? And then, like, that's kind of what Nico did. He kind of dropped back, faked the quarterback draw, post up, threw it straight to McAllen Castles. And man, McAllen Castles is a hell of a tight end, bro. What a steal yeah. that we got from the Juco ranks. And uh, that, the catch that he made on third and six, which Nico kind of threw it high, but he went up and, and boy, got bunnies. Like, he, he yeah. put it down and, uh, man, just. All around, I hate that we talked this long about a game that, you know, it's UConn. But, again, to the Bama fans that have been saying that on on uh, TikTok and whatnot, um, how did y'all handle USF? I mean, like, come on, man. At the end of the day, you got to take care of business, and that's exactly what we did. So, you have anything else on this game? No, man, I don't. Robert made a comment about the whole Ole Miss trying to upset Georgia thing, and he said that the problem is, is that Ole Miss defense is just not that good. Good offense, but a lot too many points. Um he just can't see Georgia losing. And, like, I agree with that, but I'm afraid that he's got maybe two teams confused, and that's the fact that LSU is the team, which I guess Ole Miss is the same way in a, in a sense. LSU is the team that has – I mean, they remind me USC, bro. They've got the number one offense, but then their defense is like Biden's border policy. Like, they let everyone in. The end yeah. Zone. I mean, and it's, I, it's I, insane. And, you know, we'll get to touch back on this in the prediction show because – you know, Ole Miss and Georgia played this week, so we'll discuss that a little bit more whenever we get to it. Um, which game do you, do you want to talk about first? We've got um, – it was a full noon slot yesterday, so um, 
You want to hit the South Carolina Jacksonville State game first because it shouldn't take long having to talk about this one. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, first off, congratulations, first. South Carolina. Yeah, congratulations. They got the win, <laughs> thirty-eight to twenty-eight. But let me say this: uh, if it wasn't for the pick six that was thrown late in the fourth they quarter, lost. I think Jacksonville State wins this game. <laughs> they would have lost. And I yes, think South Carolina was up thirty-one to twenty-eight, and Jacksonville State was inside the twenty. I mean, just driving they were, down the they field. Were, they were at least gonna tie the game, you know. At what yeah. you would think would be worst case scenario, but no, massive mistake by the quarterback there. Um, but you know, I think every fan, every Gamecock fan, knows that that game shouldn't have been that close. Um, and they th- I think they know they got gifted because, like everybody that didn't watch that game, which is going to be a lot of people, they're just going to look at the final result and just be like, okay, well, they took care of business. And then the moment you do just a scratching of the surface, you realize that they had a real shot to lose this game. Absolutely, and, and it, if it was not for Spencer Radler and Xavier Leggett, they would have lost that game because Spencer Radler yesterday was 27-38 for 399 yards, two touchdowns, and he did have an interception. Xavier Leggett yesterday, nine receptions, 217 yards, and two touchdowns. That is a 24.1-yard average per reception. Ma'am, I, the, hmm. I'm losing my words. Spencer Rattler's gone next year. I don't even know if their backups, you know, gotten any time. I don't know who their backup is. Um, Leggett, if he was smart, would enter the draft. I'm not sure what how old he is, but um, Xavier Leggett is a senior, so he yeah, will. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, where does South Carolina go? That is a very good question. Um, I, I was discussing with my father-in-law this morning, you know. Sat, all right, so Shane Beamer will not be gone after this season because he has overachieved in his first two seasons at South Carolina, especially last year at the end of the year. So no, he's be- got that going for him for this season. That That's what's going to keep him here is uh, keep him with his job is um, the success he's had over the past two years. But this is going to be a big mark on him. So is the hot seat on Shane Beamer for next year, especially if he can't hit that transfer portal hard and he's got to get some help on that offensive line. I know that they've had injuries, but that offensive line is, it. it's not good. No, it's, it's nothing on that team is good other than Spencer and Leggett. Their defense has steadily declined throughout the season. Um, in fact, they wasn't really good to begin with. And then their offensive line has given up, I think, nine sacks in the very first game of the season, and it's not gotten any better since. It's, I mean, it's it's terrible. Um, but no, and, go ahead. Uh, well, so also, you know, we've talked about the running game for South Carolina all season long against Jacksonville State. I know they're not a bad team. They only rush for eighty nine yards. No, there's there's is non-existent. It's Spencer Rattler or nothing. I mean, it, it is literally that's their offense, man. It's it's terrible. Now I did like that they try to get the running backs involved in the passing game. Um, I think that helped him out a lot. Like if something down the field wasn't there, just swing it out to your running backs. I mean, that's that's kind of what you see in the pros a lot, especially with like Austin Eckler with the Chargers. I don't know why I brought that up, but you know, if Herbert doesn't have anything down the field, he just dunks it down. Um, and that's what they I think they're trying to incorporate to kind of help Spencer out rather than just throwing the ball away. Um or using but, yeah. the Tennessee reference there, you know, Alvin Kamara with the Saints. Yeah, same thing, same thing, absolutely. And and it and I mean, when you, when a linebacker is playing man on a running back, the running back's going to outrun him to the edge every time. I mean, it's it's just 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm not really too impressed with South Carolina. I'm not really too impressed with the next team we're about to talk about. And that is the fact that Florida. <laughs> I ain't going to make a bowl game. Hot take. Oh, they're they're not. I, I was discussing that this morning with my, with my father-in-law as well. They're not going to win a game the rest of the year because they're going to play Missouri, uh, or they're playing LSU this week, which is going to be a loss. Uh, they, do they travel to or do they host Missouri? I can't remember. They will be, one second, at Missouri, at Como. Okay, so they're going to lose that game as well. And then you got all brother. They got home and home against Tennessee and Florida back. Okay. That's nice. So so you've you've got LSU, and then you've got Missouri on the road, and then you have a game against Florida State. Florida's not going to win a game the rest of the year. They're going to finish the season five and seven, and Billy Napier is going to be on the hot seat. And once again, Tennessee fans, as I said we would, is going to look back at that damn game in September and say, how the hell did we lose that game? Yep, that, that's exactly right. Got to stop losing to Florida, man. Um, but I've got hope. I think Nico's going to be that guy that goes undefeated against Florida. Mark my words. And uh, I, I, have I also know, had- Florida's got a lot of talent coming in. I will say that. I think Bill and Napier's got like a top five recruiting class. But now let me say this. If they can't win another game to go bowl eligible, I will look for some of those guys to dip out. I, I don't see how they stay committed. But yeah, that's I, just my opinion. I, I'm with you, but you know, let's talk about the winning team because I, I've got I've got an apology to to give here to Arkansas. Um, yeah, I you said, do. <laughs> I said that the firing the offensive coordinator was not going to solve your problems, and I know that they still had a um, a scoop and score yesterday, so you had a defensive touchdown. But man, Arkansas it's a team that like scored I was going to say, it's a team that scored three against Mississippi State, and they turn around and put up 39 against Florida. Yeah, the most. Uh, well, I guess you want to say 30. Yeah, it's, it's, that was a hell of a game. Um, and I hate that I missed it, man. I was, like I said, I was at Neyland when this was going on. Um, but Florida, and I, I kind of turned the page with them a little bit because all season long, I had said that my mind on Florida hasn't changed and wasn't going to change. But then they beat South Carolina in comeback fashion in Columbia, and I'm like, okay, that was actually pretty impressive. But then you got a little bigger picture. It was South Carolina. Yeah. Florida, man, what a joke. I predicted them to go 4-8 and this year, and I should have been right. But our boys didn't come through. I will forever be mad. But like you said, let's talk about the winning team. Um. I just hate Florida, if you didn't know. I'm a Tennessee fan. I'm allowed to. Uh, K.J. Jefferson had a game. K.J. Jefferson had a game. Um, 20 of 31, 255, two touchdowns, had the interception. That's been an issue. Um, But Rocket Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders, no, no, no. no. Uh, Yeah, um, Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 18 attempts. 100 yards, 103 yards. Um, he didn't have a touchdown, but KJ had the rushing touchdown. So, and KJ uh, was for 92 yards yesterday on 17 attempts. That's a lot of attempts. <laughs> that's a lot of attempts for a quarterback, but yeah. Um, but then you had what about man Armstrong, though? The the wide receiver there had three receptions, 103 yards. Uh, that's only good for about 35 yards per catch. That's insane, dude. Yeah, that, that's crazy. 
And the the crazier thing is he didn't even have a touchdown in that game. It was just three long receptions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, as Robert said, shout out to Sam Pittman. I mean, that's a that's their first SEC win of the season in November, and it came at the swamp. That's not an easy place to win. And Florida tried to bring out the blackout uniforms, and uh, they might need to keep those up for the rest of the. I don't know. They they might. I I don't know. And yeah, you know, I wasn't totally impressed with the blackout uniforms. You know, there, there's a lot of teams, Tennessee's being one of them, and I know I might be biased, but, you know, most black uniforms look pretty good. I, I was Florida's. a big fan of Florida's. No, Florida's got too much going on. Um, and let's just be honest, Tennessee's got the best blackout uniform ever, dude. Like, let's just be real. Um, but that, no. That's exactly right. Big game for Arkansas, man. That that really does change the trajectory. It makes them firing that offensive coordinator, like you said, makes it look like the right move immediately. And uh, excited to see where things go from here with Arkansas. I mean, it's it's a long road for Arkansas, but let me see what they've got coming up. Um, you got Auburn this week at home, and that, and and I would have originally said that's a loss immediately. I would have said that's there's no way because um, I do feel like Auburn. I mean, I've said Vanderbilt could beat Arkansas, uh, and that was before, obviously, like this week. But um, like you mentioned, you got you got Auburn. That I would say may be a toss up game, considering it's at Arkansas. I actually just looked at it, and after that game yesterday that Arkansas played, um, they are now a two and a half point favorite at home over. As it should be, it's a it's a pick 'em. You give the three points to the home team, pretty much. So yeah, I mean, I agree with it. You got FIU. And then you end the game, or you end the season with Missouri. Man, it's going to be hard, but the path is still there to get ball eligible in an ugly season, man. You you can salvage this season if you are Arkansas in, in a season that I thought was completely lost after oh, yeah. that after that Mississippi State game. So I, I I'm rooting for for Arkansas to do that because I do like Sam Pittman. Uh, you've mentioned it too. You like Sam Pittman. Has he disappointed you? Yes, because you've been on this Sam Pittman train for a while. Yeah. Well, look, here's the thing. You've got bad coaching, and then you have bad teams. I think just unfortunately for Sam Pittman, even though I think he's the guy, he just had a bad team this year. Injuries kind of uh, you know bit them, um, and it happens, man. Like, I, I don't think I – I think we need to get out of the whole um, fantasy that the first time you have a disappointing season, you just can your coach. I think that's – and that's coming from a Tennessee fan, man. I I really do. Like it's it's so frustrating, and you always delay the the program by so many years when you do that. Um, but you know that's just my opinion. You, but also you know, the, thing, the thing about Arkansas and Sam Pittman is it's been the last couple of years where they've had these high expectations, and that's part of the problem. Is yeah, you get these high expectations for coaches that it's almost impossible for them to be met. And each year the Sam Pittman has been there, except for one, I believe he's underachieved those expectations. Well, you got to remember too, when Sam Pittman first got there, Lane Kiffin was new to Ole Miss. You had Auburn that was going in the dumps. You had LSU that was going in the dumps with Ed Udron as soon as they won the championship. And they went like, I don't know, like nothing and nothing or nothing and 10 the next season. He got canceled. So like Fayetteville was also benefiting from other West teams being really down. So now you got these teams that have got their new hires. They've been in the system for several years. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of fall behind again. Um, but like I said, I, I still think that it's, it's just maybe a bad team. 
KJ Jefferson and Raheem or Rocket Sanders, and then who? You know, as far as the offense goes, the offensive line has not been a great help for them. And, uh, you know, they haven't had that Traylon Burks emerge as a wide receiver. I mean, they've had some flashes of games, but just not had that takeover guy. So, um, no, big things. I would hope to come for Sam Pittman after these coaching changes in the offseason. But, you know, it's proven, man. It's hard to win in the SEC, especially when you're not staying on top of the game. Florida, on the other hand, has LSU, Missouri, and Florida State to finish their season. As we mentioned, it's going to be hard for them to make a bowl game, man. But I and you know I will defend Florida too on on this right here because we mentioned it at the beginning of the season Florida they had the toughest schedule in the conference this year. Other all right, the only other team that I can really compare to that was South Carolina. Also had a tough schedule. Yep. So and both of those teams have not done well this year. Florida has overachieved from what I thought that they would because you got that winning up to this point up to this point but really let's be honest the only thing that's impressed us is them beating Tennessee yeah absolutely and when when you look back at the preseason um the preseason expectations for Florida the over under for Florida win total this year was five and a half so if they don't win a game then they're not going to reach that that win total they're they're gonna yep. be just under it. So, I Vegas makes money for a reason, brother. That that's exactly right. Uh, but, you got anything else on this Arkansas Florida game? Man, I kind of want to move ahead to a, a a really big game that happened. Yeah, I, I'm ready to talk about this game. Uh, we have Ole Miss and Texas A&M final score in this one, 38 to 35. And I I went back and I watched this game. I was keeping up with it as the Tennessee game was going on, and man. What a ball game this ended up being after it looked like it was going to be a blowout early on. Yeah, man. Um, Texas A&M was doing everything that I thought they needed to do to make this game competitive. Like, I thought A&M actually had a chance in this game. Um, like I told you, I thought Ole Miss would get the win. But when you know when it came to upset of the week, Tom, I seen a path for A&M getting this win. Um, I did not expect a 300-yard day for Max Johnson, but – I just expected A&M's defense to run, which is funny because that actually, none of that happened. The way I thought it would happen, it didn't. You know, it ended up being, like you mentioned, a bit of a shootout, 38-35, to 35, um, and Ole Miss gets the win. And honestly, I kind of feel like it was gifted. I didn't watch this game, but I do know that in the final two minutes of the game, A&M missed two field goals. <laughs> and so, not, to, not to mention the fact that Ole Miss in the final, on that final drive alone, they dropped an interception. There was a fumble that Texas A&M recovered, and then they had an interception overturned because uh, the Ole Miss defender was bobbling it as he went out of bounds. So Ole Miss, I mean, they had every opportunity in the world to just ice this game away with turnovers, and they could not do it. Could not. Could not do it. But they they did it. I'm kind of glad that they beat – AM uh, kind of adds a little bit of spice to the game coming up next weekend with Georgia. Um, because if they would have dropped this game, it, you know, pretty much all the all the hype and whatnot. I mean, it was still been a big game, don't get me wrong. Kind of the same thing with Tennessee. It's still a big game, but it's just not near as much on the on the bone as you would hope. Um, not as much meat on the bone per se. But uh no, I almost gets a win. I still don't know if I mean, let's be honest. A and M's lost four games this year, and haven't I, haven't they all been one possession? 
see. I other than the Miami game, yes. Yeah, the Miami game was a bl- like not a blowout, but sort of. Um, but, but yeah, they, they were in a one score game with uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and now Ole Miss. Yeah. That I is do, uh, a tough way to lose six uh, combined, twelve points and three losses. Yeah, I do want to shout out the the turning point in the game because Ole Miss was up fourteen nothing early, and they were driving down the field again. They should have gone up twenty one nothing, but there was two straight holding penalties that Ole Miss had that ended up pushing them back. And they attempted a field goal that Texas A&M blocked and took back for a touchdown. And that changed the whole momentum of the game. And from there, it was, I I don't believe until the fourth quarter, Texas A&M actually took a lead. But it was, you know, neck and neck the whole way. Texas A&M finally went up um, 35 to 31 in the fourth quarter. Ole Miss comes right back down the field and scores to go up 38-35. And then that um, the final possession, uh, Texas A&M got in the field goal range, and Ole Miss ends up getting just a finger, j- just barely touched the kick there, and it ju- it made it just short enough to where it was no good. Ole Miss squeaks away with a win at Vault Hemingway Stadium. Um, it was a fantastic game all the way around. You mentioned Mac J- Max Johnson threw for over 300 yards yesterday, had a touchdown and a pick. Um, Jackson Dart had himself another day, 24 of 33 for 387 and two touchdowns. Um, mm. Quinshawn Jenkins did Quinshawn Jenkins things, and he rushed for over 100 yards and three touchdowns on the day. Um, Just a physical yep. back. Dude. Yeah, and Trey Harris, my guy, is making tough catch after tough catch, 11 receptions for 213 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he was making the snaggy plays. Like he was he was making the, the highlight plays. Like he, he it, went up It wasn't any easy catches whatsoever. Every one of them, it was, you know, one handed catches. It was, you know, catching in double coverage. It it was tough catches he was making. And I know Ole Miss is really happy to finally have him healthy towards the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um but this is I guess this is just Ole Miss is having one of those years, man. Like it doesn't feel like Ole Miss is that good, but like you look down and they're eight and one, and it's like, oh shoot, you know, Ole Miss is is there because let's be honest, the the West race it, mathematically is down to Ole Miss and Bama, um, LSU taking the loss last night, which we'll talk about. Um, you know, they're out of it. It's down to now Ole Miss and Alabama, and Ole Miss is going to need Bama to lose two games, which is not likely at all. But uh, and then they would have to win out. But you know, it's still they're still there. Regardless, they could be the team that um, has a really nice New Year's Six Bowl if they can figure out a way to, to kind of win out or whatnot. They they look good. Um, I was also going to mention this right here. Ole Miss, it, this is even more unlikely, in my opinion, than Tennessee making the SEC championship game. Ole Miss has an outside shot to make a playoff game. There is a whole lot of stuff that has to happen because there's still five undefeated teams in college football you're asking you've for also, chaos. Yeah, I mean, they, you've also got teams like Texas that have one loss that as long as they went out, Texas is probably in. Uh, you got Oregon that could cause some chaos. You could have two one-loss um, Pac-12 teams, and one of those will make the playoffs unless there's another loss somewhere along the line. But Let's if, talk about your scenario, though, real quick. Let's talk about it. 
So you're basically saying that it would be two SEC teams in, but like the way I think the Ole Miss gets in, the only way that they get in is if it's two SEC West teams that get in. No, no. Georgia, so Georgia, if they get beat by Ole Miss and Georgia plays Alabama, we'll, we'll just use that scenario. Georgia plays Alabama for the SEC West or for the SEC Championship and Georgia yeah. wins that one. Georgia is in. Do you agree? Yeah, they're undefeated. No, 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 no. no. They have the one loss against the champion. Yes. All right. So Ole Miss has one loss, and they have beaten the SEC champion. You will have one undefeated Big Ten team, either Michigan or Ohio State, unless something crazy happens down the road somewhere. You've got Florida State is probably going to be in. I don't see a path to them losing a game the rest of the year. Um, you've got Washington right now is undefeated, but they have to play Oregon again. They've still got to play Utah this week, I believe. Uh, so I think the Pac-12 is going to end up cannibalizing itself because of how good they are out west. And you look, Texas loses one more game in the Big 12, and – there is no team in the Big 12 that has less than um, two losses. Each one of them will have at least two losses. So Ole Miss has to win out, but there is a path that they could be a one-loss uh, non-conference champion and make the playoffs. But there, there is a lot of chaos that has to, ha- has to happen for that. Yeah, but that scenario makes way more sense than what I was about to freaking drag out. So, Because um, I was going to think that – oh, I was thinking that Georgia wouldn't ha- – you know, they would lose to Ole Miss, obviously, and then – uh, either it'd be they'd have to lose the championship game. Basically, it would have to be a two-lost East team, right, so that they can't go in, and then Bama would have to win out and be a one-loss team in because they're the champion. And then because Ole Miss's only loss is to Bama, kind of like how last year our only loss was to Georgia, we were kind of guaranteed in due to the chaos, and then we lost to South Carolina. Um, that's the way I thought it was going to have to happen is basically Bama be the number one Ole Miss kind of slip in at three or four. And the only reason why I say three is because they would try to avoid that rematch unless it was for the championship game. You can say all you want to, but playoff committee 1000% tries to do that. They don't want to see a rematch of a game because it doesn't prove anything really. Um, um, so they, they do try to split that up, but no. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, but yeah. And we we got off on that tangent there, but you know there is still a path for Ole Miss to have have some postseason success this year. Uh, have yeah, a have a big game, but it's a tough schedule. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. They, they control their own destiny too. And of course, a lot of things still have to happen for them to be able to get to that point. But you know they just have to keep winning. That that's absolutely. all that they have to do. Uh, you have anything else on this uh, Texas A and M Ole Miss game? Because uh, well, all right, let, let's talk about Texas A and M for a second because. The the path to them um the rest of the season is I think is gonna be seven and five. You've still got um so you got Mississippi State this week, then you have a non conference game. Um I forget who it is, but it's oh it's Abilene Christian out of Texas. Um and then you gotta play LSU at the end of the year. So you're gonna have a seven and five season this year, in my opinion. Um in a year that once again you very easily should have been eight and four, nine and three, or better. That's what I, I think. I think eight and four is still very possible, man. LSU's good, but they got banged up last night. And uh, let's 
I think eight and four is definitely possible. But then again, I don't trust Jimbo that much to think that he can win out. <laughs> and here's another uh, thing: where where is that game being played? Because if it is in Death Valley, you know, it is. Okay, it's in Death Valley, so it doesn't line up for Jimbo to win that game at the end of the season because they they will be an underdog on the road, and he is winless as an underdog on the road in the SEC. Yeah. I, so, I mean, there, there's a path to it, but it is a very tall task. Uh, I ain't about to say what I ain't about to say. Hey, uh, um, you're absolutely right on that. 0-9 on the road. Uh, that's, that's pretty terrible. Um, but let's move this show along because we're about 45 minutes in already and we've still got three games to talk about, maybe even four games to talk about. Um, let's see. Let's talk about the let's talk about the 330 CBS game next. And that is the fact that Missouri, once again, uh, you know, pushed Georgia to the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, came short. It's 21 to 30. Um Georgia gets a massive win, really gets control of the East after that. Um, you know, what are your initial thoughts on this game? And uh, tell me what you thought about it. So I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that Georgia is gonna get beat the rest of the year, but the Georgia team that showed up yesterday looked beatable. Horrible. They, they Horrible. were not yeah. the, they were not the team that just absolutely throttled Kentucky. They were not the team that dismantled Florida last week. This was the Georgia team that almost didn't look like that they were excited to play this game. And if you take away the third quarter of this game, Missouri wins it. Georgia outscored Missouri 14 to 3 in the third quarter to set to um to open up the game a little bit. Um Carson Beck had another decent day, uh 21 to 32, 254 yards, two touchdowns and all right, the thing about Carson Beck is he does not turn the ball over much, which is Something that you need. You need a game manager for a Florida, I mean, for a uh, Georgia team that is this good all the way around. And he he's doing exactly that. But Missouri's pass rush got to Georgia yesterday. Uh, that's the the most sacks that Georgia's given up on the season. It was three sacks uh, yesterday. Um, they, Missouri's defense was giving them fits on the front line. But uh, what I saw from Missouri was a a team that is they are very capable of beating anybody. Do they have quite the Jimmies and Joes that they need to beat a team like Georgia? No, not not yet. But on any given day, if we see a Georgia team like we did yesterday, Missouri's got a chance. Yeah. Well, I always talk about the middle eight and uh, unf- I'm gonna have to expand it a little bit in the in the you know second quarter, but at four minutes fourteen seconds left to go in the half, and you get a field goal to tie the game. Great, awesome, perfect. And then coming out of the half with eleven forty two left in the third quarter, you get another field goal to go up three. You change either one of those to a touchdown, and the momentum is completely different. Now you did your job. You you drove down. You got some points. That's great, especially against Georgia. You'll take any points. But kind of like the same problem Tennessee has, and that's finishing off drives. You know, if Missouri can can find a way to finish off the drives there, uh, you know, you're talking about a completely different ball game. But what I said before this game is Georgia's defense isn't dominant anymore, and I think that showed. I mean, Missouri literally ran 
on Georgia the way I've never seen a team not named Alabama run against Georgia. I mean, uh, let me look at the stats. Let's see, Schrader had 22 attempts um, for 112 yards. He was literally averaging on the north side of five yards a carry against Georgia. Yeah, when when's the last time that you saw a team not named Alabama or maybe even Ohio State that ran for 150 yards on Georgia? I can't remember. And I think it was more than that. Uh, no, it is account for Brady Cook. Uh, Brady Cook has some timely running uh, run plays, and but no, I I don't know, man, because even Kentucky's good running games that they, they never ran good against Georgia. Um, Georgia's always had such a dominant front seven, and they I just don't think they're that dominant this year. Now, before that gets blown out of context, I still think they're a championship team. I think they're going to make the playoff, but I don't know if it's a guaranteed win because if you have to face off against a team like Michigan who can run, <laughs> you know, if your front seven shows up like they did against Missouri, um, I think that Michigan backs a little bit better than Schrader. Um, and Schrader's pretty good, though. I'm not, you know, dissing him at all. Um, well, at least Georgia won't have to worry about Connor Stallions anymore. But um, <laughs> Yeah, but he did get fired. Right about that. Yeah, man. But uh, Carson Beck, still that guy. Um, I think he was a little... I think he got shook at some point in that game, though. I, I watched a little bit of it before the news that I had to kind of dip. Um, and uh, I, I just felt like he was like not comfortable there for a little bit of the game. He almost felt like he was out of rhythm, um, couldn't couldn't uh, get third downs for some reason. Um, I think that hurt Georgia. That's why they kind of fell into a low in that second quarter. Um, and and hurt- a shout-out to, to Robert here. You know, he, He's got it exactly right. He said – Mizzou played them tough. It was ten to ten at the half, and then they went up thirteen to ten in the second or in the third quarter, as you mentioned. He said Mizzou is a solid team all around in the game for three and a half quarters, and and they were. Um, but to to Robert's point, there they were in the game for three and a half quarters. You cannot take any time of the game off, and we've seen Tennessee do that in their two losses this season. We've seen it in some of their wins, too, but it just hadn't shown up as much as the two losses Tennessee had. You take any time off in a game, and a, a good team is going to beat you, and that's what Georgia did yesterday. Missouri uh, did not show up for just half of a quarter, that third quarter, and yeah. Georgia took advantage and scored two touchdowns, and it was out of reach at that point. Yeah, Schrader did have 113 yards, Robert. Um, Luther Burton was quiet in the second half because he was banged up. I think he kind of twisted an ankle in a, a touchdown reception that he ended up dropping, I think. Um, it it would have been an insanely hard catch anyways. But, yeah, he was a little banged up, but he ca- he came back. I mean, he tried to play it out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was, there was injuries on both sides. I mean, Georgia lost their number one tackler in the second half, I believe, as well. Um, and I think he was in a sling before the end of the game. So I hope he's all good. I mean, I hate to see anybody get hurt, especially taken out of the game. Um, but I, yeah, I, it, it was a game that Missouri played them well. They played them well at Sanford stadium. And and that kind of shocked me because we've seen Georgia kind of have lulls against teams that you didn't really get up for. And I think that's exactly what happened is they didn't get up for it. They knew coming into this game, this was a big game. And yet they still kind of, they came out flat. I mean, you're right. They only scored three points in the first quarter. Um, and, uh, you know, only scored 10, you know, 10 in the first half. And that was kind of like the, the, you know, beginning of the season, Georgia team where they, they just started super slow, 
But what is that not the story of the college football season as a team not playing for four quarters? Um, I mean, you, you look at I, – I don't know if you saw it or not. Ohio State yesterday was down 9-7 to seven at the half to Rutgers. And I, like, they've done that numerous times this year, Ohio State has. They'll either – it'll either be a close game at halftime or they'll be down at the half and have to have a big second half to spread it out. And, you know, they end up winning the game, I think, 35-16 to 16 or something like that. But That's Ohio State football, brother. As long as I can remember, I would get – I mean, even as a kid, you'd see Ohio State, oh, they're losing the who? They're losing to Minnesota, dude? And then, like, third quarter, they blow it open. They're up by, like, 40. I don't know why they do that, but it, that is so common for Ohio State. But I'm, I'm more talking, like, Tennessee being up 20-7 to 7 on Bama and then – not doing snot in the second half. I'm talking in the first half against Florida, Tennessee, not doing anything in the first half. But let's get up. Let's get off the Tennessee train. Look at LSU last night. They played Bama really hard for about 35 minutes and then didn't do anything. Now I get it. Jaden Daniels got hurt. I honestly think this is my humble opinion as a Tennessee fan, unbiased to the game. That hit on Jaden Daniels is very dirty. Don't see it, how that wasn't a target. You should be targeting. Um, but Bama fans are going to sit here and say, you know, oh, cry about it. Oh, yeah, okay. It must be nice to be not punished for bullcrap. But anyway. I don't, you know, I don't, to, to, to your point, you know, LSU did the same thing as Florida State at the beginning of the year. They played very well in that first half, and they were very much in the game. I, I can't remember if they had a lead at halftime or not, but then second half, Florida State blew them wide open, and LSU yeah. couldn't do anything. So. And it's not just Tennessee, LSU. There's other teams in the SEC as well. But you're you're 100% correct. It's It's been the story of, of the 2023 college football season is teams having lulls or teams um, starting off hot and then cooling off or even teams that start off cool and then heat up later in the game. Um, and depending on when it happens to you, you can win or lose a ball game based on that. That's exactly right. But um, let's talk about the road for Georgia. They got Ole Miss next week and what will likely be a number one versus number 10-ish team if the new rankings come out Tuesday. We'll find out because um, the AP does not matter anymore because it's November. Um, and uh, that that's going to be a solid game. It's going to be at home again, which I think Georgia's going to need that. Um, I think they need to they have that, that home game. I think it's already confirmed that, that game day is going to be there. Um and so it's going to be a crazy environment. It's going to be a big game. Um, I kind of want to give a slide shout out to the East in general, man. You got the standings as we're looking at it is Georgia nine and zero overall, six and zero in the conference. Um, and then you got Missouri and Tennessee at seven and two, three and two in the conference. And then you got Kentucky right there at six and three, three and three. Florida's three and three, but five and four. So you got five of your seven total teams in the East with a winning record so far. That's saying something because the East is. Um, kind of been down for quite some time other than Georgia. They've been kind of carrying the uh, the load for the East. But no, man, um, as far as for Missouri, they're playing your boys, yours truly, this coming Saturday. And that's going to be a very big game to kind of determine who's going to be second in the East, really, if we're being realistic here. And yeah, uh, that means something. I was going to say, and going forward, you've also got Florida, and then you've got at Arkansas, um, Missouri could very well be 10 and 2 this year or I can see a path for three or four straight losses to end this season because you've already lost to Georgia. We've seen it so common where Missouri has a great start to the season 
and then a back breaking loss like that ends up sending them off the rails. Yeah. That does not need to happen. That does the not good, need to happen. You're you're 100% correct and the good thing for Missouri is you get two out of these last three games in Como. That's that right. is big for them. So I I think the most likely scenario for Missouri the rest of the year is 9 and 3. Uh, I'm not going to say which which game would be a a loss for Missouri, uh, but Tennessee, Dad, shut up! Come on now. <laughs> but I think that's the most likely scenario is yeah, nine I, and three. Um, I think that eight and four is more likely than ten and two. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, let's run through these last three games, bro. We're almost an hour in. Um, we got Auburn Vanderbilt. Let's not spend a lot of time on this, man. It was thirty-one to fifteen. Um, Auburn kind of I thought was going to blow the doors open but then didn't do anything in the fourth quarter not sure why I didn't watch the game but big win for Auburn second one for Hugh Freeze in the SEC yeah and you know I I just want to look ahead at Auburn real quick for what they got left you you've got two winnable games here back to back you've got at Arkansas and you've got New Mexico State at home that would get you to your six win mark and be bowl eligible on the season before a matchup in the Iron Bowl and the Iron Bowl Oh, I'm sorry. Arkansas and New Mexico State will put them at seven wins, not not mm-hmm. six. That would put mm-hmm. them at seven wins on the very year. realistic of being seven and five in Hugh Freeze's first year. Yeah, and that's that's overachieving for where I had them. I think that I had them going six and six. But then you also got the Iron Bowl at home this year, and you know, strange things happen when you play that Iron Bowl in um in Auburn Stadium. So uh I'm not saying Auburn's gonna win that game, but they 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 look they're they're going to be very happy with this um this opening season under Hugh Freeze when you go back and look at it as long as you can get a win against Arkansas and New Mexico State uh to to round out this this season. That's exactly right, man. Um, and shout out to the running back for Auburn. I think he had like 183 yards, but it's Vanderbilt. It's, take it how you want. Um, do you have anything that you really did? You take anything away from this game? Did you get to catch it? Um, I did not get to catch this game. I didn't get to catch as many football games as I wanted to this weekend. Um, dude, I know. <laughs> it's it's all good, brother. It's all yeah, fun. Looking ahead at Vanderbilt, uh, they've only got two games left because they have a second bye week since they uh, played in week zero. Um, South Carolina and Tennessee, that doing anything for you for Vanderbilt? Uh, I think they can play South Carolina decent. Um. Tennessee game does nothing for me. Tennessee is going to wipe the field with them. Tennessee can wipe the field with one man, and that is Jalen Wright. And, uh, yeah, I don't see that being – Auburn or South Carolina I could see because just because South Carolina's defense is terrible. Um, but I do think that I trust uh, Spencer more than I trust Ken Sills. And so that, yeah, it doesn't really move the needle for me. But let's move on to a game that was possibly the most boring game of the weekend, and that is Kentucky-Mississippi State. 24 to three. Um, by the way, one of the touchdowns for Kentucky was a pick six. So they literally only had 17 offensive points. Mississippi state had three. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't know if like Mississippi state's just bad juju for low scoring games. I, I don't know what's going on, but like, they're going to have to change something, brother. Um, Mike Wright having 78 passing yards and their leading rusher having 24 yards against Kentucky's defense. That ain't that good. I don't know. I, I'm at a loss for words, but big win for Kentucky for sure. I, I will say, you know, Kentucky's run defense is good, um, and they they held Mississippi State to 73 total yards rushing, and 
this Mississippi State team, if you can make the one-dimensional trying to get the passing game going, Mississippi State's not going to be able to do much, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I'm curious to see if um, Will Rogers is going to return this year. I don't know how serious the shoulder injury is, but, you know, he wasn't there yesterday. Yeah, I I don't know. I seriously doubt it. There's nothing to play for, dude. And I hate to sound like that. Actually, who does Mississippi State have left? They got Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. And this then who do they have? Texas A&M. <laughs> so they have I A&M, think- USM, uh, University of Southern Miss, and then they have Ole Miss. I, I think I Mississippi don't. State finishes all five and seven on the year with a win against Southern Miss. I I don't see a path to them winning the Texas A&M game or the Ole Miss game. Yes, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I'm a football guy. I love football. So, like, if a player can play, play. But at the end of the day, man, I just don't – I don't see it. On top of that, has it not felt like that Will Rogers and Zach Arnett have not clicked at all this year? I don't think that they have. I, I think that Will Rogers is very frustrated with the play calling and how how little he's being able to um, show his ability. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they just don't get along very well, too. Uh, they, they, this is just me and you know, looking at it ourselves. They, they could be getting along great, and we're just not seeing it. But I'm with you. I don't think that they, they're really clicking. Right. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But let's uh, let's wrap things up for the recap show and talk about what was hopefully the biggest, what was, you know, hyped up to be the biggest game of the weekend. Um, and that's LSU, Alabama. Alabama did exactly what I thought they would, and that's win by multiple scores because uh, Nick Saban doesn't lose in revenge games, especially at home. Um, man, I tell you what, Milrow had a freaking day. Jake Daniels had a day. Um, unfortunately, got hurt. A bad play. I don't. I don't know how it was just a a rough in the passer. Um, and that's that's me not really being a hater. I have no no horse in this race. I I just think that was one of the most vicious hits I've seen on a quarterback in a long time. And uh, for for that not to get called targeting, uh, that was pretty wild. Uh, that fit every description possible. It might have even broken Jaden Daniels' jaw. <laughs> um, so so prayers to him. Hopefully he's healthy. But. Uh, Overall, that didn't, you know, determine the outcome of the game, I don't think, um, as Alabama got rolling in the second half and they got the big win. Yeah, uh, both of these quarterbacks just showed out. And, you know, looking at their stats, um, it's almost identical. Uh, Jaden Daniels passing the ball, 15 of 24, 219 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Jalen Milrow, 15 of 23, one less attempt. 219 yards. Uh, the only difference is he did not throw a touchdown or an interception. He running had four rushing touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Running the ball. Jaden Daniels, 11 carries, 163 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Milrow, 20 carries, 155 yards, and four touchdowns. It, it, was, it was a battle of the quarterbacks. Um, the, the only other person that... Um, that really did anything that was huge for either team because Alabama, they spread the ball out. Um, LSU, it was Malik Neighbors or nobody yesterday. It was Malik Neighbors, 10 receptions, 171 yards. And then two players had three receptions apiece. And other than that, it was either two or one for LSU. That's um, right. You had uh, um, Thomas Jr. for LSU, didn't have a, a ton of yards or a ton of catches, but he had some big time pickups. Um, and then Lacey, they were kind of like the big shot guys because I mean they both 
averaged, I think Lacey only had two catches, but he averaged, uh, you know, 19 and a half yards per catch. Um, same thing with Thomas. He had over 10 yards per catch as well. Um, but like you said, dude, like, like their, their working horse was Malik neighbors. I mean, 10 receptions, 171 yards touchdown. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of, you, you would kind of hope to have two or three guys, uh, get involved a little bit more than that. But regardless, it, it, it was like you mentioned, it was about all the quarterbacks, which we kind of, we kind of knew it was going to be that. Um, we kind of, well, I think I thought it'd be a little bit lower scoring just because I thought Bama's defense was going to perform a little bit better. But then again, uh, they did, they got stops in timely, you know, timely manner. Uh, well, timely, I can't think of the word. Um, they got the timely stops that they needed. That, that's what stops. you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- this game, the outcome didn't turn out how I thought it would because I said LSU would win this game. That's because the game went exactly how I thought it would as far as the scoring. I thought it would be a shootout, but you thought thought the whole like first half, the way it was like back and forth, touchdown, touchdown, tie ball game into the third quarter. Yeah. So uh, that's where I thought the game was going to go, but I thought that that would benefit LSU until Jaden Daniels went out. Uh, that That's the way that the game went uh, was it, it looked like LSU was, was going to be favored there towards the end of, um, but when Jane Daniels went out, the the offense lost all its mojo for LSU. And, you know, you mentioned it. LSU cannot stop anybody. And no. that, that is exactly what happened. Alabama took advantage of it. Well, uh, Jalen Milrow took advantage of it. And um, Alabama got the win. And I know that something crazy can happen, but Alabama locked up the West with that game. Because when you look ahead at the rest of their schedule this year, Alabama has got Kentucky this week. It is in Lexington, but um, Alabama is going to win this week. Uh, then they play Chattanooga before the Iron Bowl. At worst, Alabama is going to finish 2-1 and one in this stretch. And I, I don't see I, – I really can't see a path to them not going 3-0. and oh. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're making the SEC championship, and – Let's be honest. Their path to a playoff is still there. It, it's still there. They have to win out. They literally all they have to do is win out. They don't have to worry about a team losing anywhere. All they have to do is win out, including the SEC game. championship game, and yep. they're in. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, a great game up until about the midway third quarter when you you, you kind of felt the the tide to turn. Honestly, it's it's one of those things where Alabama does a really good job coming out of half. Now I understand LSU scored their first possession coming out of the half, but um, Alabama got they answered right back with a touchdown and then got that turnover went up again and then you just kind of knew like all right, Alabama's got this one in the bag. Even though they were only up seven at the time, you just felt like the wind just dropped out of their, you know, LSU sales. They wouldn't go in anywhere. And then obviously Jaden Daniels getting hurt and then in the concussion protocol, um, Garrett Nussmeyer had to come in. Um, I thought he made some pretty good throws, but it just overall wasn't too accurate. I mean, he was five of 10 um, for 53 yards and that was the game, man. Um, this is the game that unfortunately I missed a lot of um, as we got the notification that there's a wildfire in my front yard. Um, so it was unfortunate I didn't get to see this, but at the end of the day, 
the outcome is pretty much what I predicted, just a lot higher of a score. Even though I should have known that, LSU's defense is terrible. And uh, Alabama has the capability of scoring. And so, um, overall, it's kind of crazy how both of these teams were in the exact same position or really close to the exact same position as they were last year as far as record-wise. And uh, this year, Alabama got the better of them because I'm telling you, man, Nick Saban doesn't lose revenge games. Yep, you're 100% right. The, The only other thing I have about this game is, of course, Brad and Gary we're on the broadcast for this game. Um, I I don't know how the whole broadcast thing works about you know who broadcasts what game, but you know yesterday was the the SEC doubleheader and it was actually a triple header on CBS yesterday. You had the Big Twelve game, I mean Big Ten game at noon. Uh, you had the CBS three thirty game, which was Georgia and Missouri. I can't remember who the announcers were for that one, but then you get the CBS night game with Brad and Gary on the call for Alabama. Of course, dude. Hey, that's that that's that Alabama treatment, dog. That, that's um, exactly right. And I you know, I, I'm not gonna miss Brad and Gary whenever uh SEC's not on CBS anymore. But uh, that that's right. a whole different note there. Uh, oh, what you got? Bet. It's confirmed. All right, that's the wrap up of the recap, by the way. I'm gonna go ahead and just put that down. 